Being a professional mathematician. Patricia Farah talks about Emily du Châtelet, 1706 to 1749. My name is Patricia Farah and I'm a historian of science at Cambridge University and I've written a book about women in the 18th century who did science and mathematics and we're here today to talk about Emily du Châtelet who is my favourite character in the whole of history. I admire her enormously. Like a lot of women who we have heard about in the history of science, she was very rich and she had the common sense to associate herself with some very supportive men. She had a very enlightened father who, when she was a young girl, let her browse around his library. So by the time she was 12, she could apparently speak several languages. And she became very expert in things like Latin and Greek that girls weren't usually allowed to do. When she was in her early 20s, she decided she wanted to learn about Newtonian physics and mathematics, which at that time wasn't accepted in France because France was still very strongly Cartesian. It took many decades for Newton's ideas to be accepted, particularly in places like France and Spain. It was not an overnight transition. So because she was so rich, she could hire a a mathematician to teach her Newtonian science and mathematics but of course she couldn't go to university and she was also excluded from many of the informal networks that other men could enjoy so for example she couldn't go to coffee shops and discuss things with them there. She went on doing her maths and physics and then sometime along this time period while she was in her 20s she met Voltaire the essayist and critic and they fell passionately in love and they went to live in her husband's chateau. I've left out that she was already married, and she had three children, two of whom survived, and her husband was um, incredibly accommodating, and he was in the army and he was away quite a lot, lot of the time, so he seemed quite happy for Voltaire and Madame du Châtelet to live together in this chateau in the country quite happily. And they lived together, and the reason, one of the reasons why I admire her so much is that she said... The whole point of life is to be happy, is to take pleasure in life. And by that she meant taking pleasure in that she was very beautiful, she liked wearing lovely clothes, she was very interested in decorating her house, she liked to go to parties, she liked dancing. She was very good at gambling, and I imagine that being a good mathematician is very helpful when you're at the gambling table. But by taking pleasure in her life, she also meant that she liked to indulge in intellectual pursuits. And she was a very, very keen academic, although she was excluded from university. So... There's one book which is said to have converted the French nation from Cartesianism to Newtonianism, and that was a book that has got Voltaire's name on the title page, and it's called in English Elements of the Philosophy of Newton. It's got his name on the title page. It explains Newtonian physics in very simple, fairly non-mathematical terms, light as well as gravity. Uh, it's only got Voltaire's name on the title page, but if you look at the frontispiece, you can see how much tribute he paid to her. And he did in words as well as in this picture. He, called, he said that Minerva dictated and I wrote. So in this picture, he's a scribe. He's a scribe who's writing. He's dressed up with a Roman wreath of laurel. And up in the skies, there's Newton sitting on a cloud, looking rather like God, and the divine light is coming from God past Newton onto the mirror of the goddess of truth. And the goddess of truth in this picture is Emily de Châtelet, and she's reflecting the light, the Newtonian light of truth, down onto Voltaire's head. And so it's quite clear that 
it's quite clear to me anyway that she was substantially responsible for all the maths and the physics in this book because after they'd written it, Voltaire went off and went back to writing plays and poetry and political essays. And she went on carrying out research into physics practicing mathematics and she wrote two or three more books she also did lots of translations and then towards the end of her life she embarked on her biggest project ever which was translating Newton's Principia into French and it still remains the only complete French translation to this day. When I say that she undertook a translation I mean three kinds of translation she translated from the original Latin into French. She didn't want to go back to the English, which would have been easier because there were several mistakes in the English from, uh, from the Latin. So she went back to Newton's original Latin, which is quite difficult, and translated it into French. She also translate, She also interpreted and explained some of the complicated mathematical ideas, and she also added a commentary explaining Newton's ideas but also criticising some of them and pointing out places where she disagreed or where he didn't agree with Leibniz or Descartes. And then, so that's the second type, type of translation, is that interpretation. And then the third type of translation was that she looked at all the research work that had been done since Newton's death, and she incorporated that in footnotes in the text. So it was also a complete reference book of modern Newtonianism. And towards the end, when she was writing this book, she became pregnant not by Voltaire and not by the husband, but Voltaire was very handy. Voltaire helped her persuade the husband that the baby was the husband's. And she had these awful presentiments that she she was going to die. And During the last days of her pregnancy, she worked incredibly, incredibly hard. She wrote that she would plunge her fingers into icy cold water to keep her awake when she was working all night. And then she did indeed die a few days after the baby was born. But the book was published... And it was very influential in continuing to convert French natural philosophers to English Newtonianism, despite Descartes' continuing influence. Emily du Chatelet was very exceptional in several ways. For one thing, she was enormously intelligent, obviously very good at maths and physics, and not everyone has that gift. She was also exceptional in being the daughter of an enlightened father, and having married a rich husband and in living with Voltaire. So she had this network of men around her who encouraged her in her academic work. So I think for women who lived in that period, or indeed women who live now, it is very important to have a supportive, encouraging family. And she had that, as well as the natural gifts and the natural ability to be able to do the physics and the maths. I think it's important that French and English society were very different. In English culture, the the sexes were kept apart. So it was a very, what's being called a homosocial culture, in that the clubs were for men, the schools were for men, social entertainments were organised either with men or with women. So the, the two sexes were, to a large extent, kept apart. Whereas in France, there was this idea that women were a civilising influence. And so they women often held salons every week or every two weeks in which women and men were there in which they were encouraged to work together and so women were more than in England encouraged to have cultural interests although even in France it was very unusual for someone to be a woman to be so gifted in mathematics but towards the end of the century it did become not common in France but certainly more common in Paris than in London for women to be interested in the work of their husbands or their brothers so the most obvious example towards the end of the century is Marie Lavoisier who was very intimately involved in the 
work of the chemist um, Antoine Lavoisier, who she was married to. In general, a lot of intellectual women carried out translation and interpretation. For one thing, it's the kind of work that you can pick up and put down because most of these women did have family commitments. There's a very interesting English parallel, or Scottish parallel to be more accurate, in the 19th century, which is Mary Somerville. Uh, She also benefited from having a very enlightened father. She was rich enough to pay for mathematical tuition. Uh, She carried out research. She had a paper published in the Philosophical Transactions in the 1830s, I believe, but she wasn't allowed to read it out at the Royal Society. Her husband had to do that for her. He was a doctor, and he probably didn't understand anything about it. But she was a very gifted mathematician, and she, rather like Emily du Châtelet, translated Newton's Principia into French. Mary Somerville translated Laplace's uh, Mécanique Céleste into English, Laplace was known as the French Newton, and it was Laplace who introduced the deterministic aspects of Newtonianism with which we're familiar today, which Newton himself probably wouldn't have recognised. And again, like du Châtelet, Somerville carried out multiple forms of interpretation. She translated the French into English, but she also explained the calculus in terms that students and practising scientists could understand, because at that stage, Victorian England was not as advanced in the mathematics of calculus as France. Emily de Châtelet, in my opinion, is undeservedly neglected. She was very, very gifted and talented, but she also, unlike a lot of women in science, she had the reputation of being a normal woman and a good scientist. I think one of the things that we've inherited from attitudes in the past is this idea that if you if you are a female scientist, you have to be a bit a bit of a freak and a bit odd, and perhaps you're not interested in clothes or or food, and or you're rather obsessive. Emily de Châtelet, for me, is a marvelous example of a woman who absolutely loved life. She enjoyed herself. She had children. She loved fine clothes, she went to parties, but she also loved intellectual work. And it seems, for me, that's an absolutely fantastic role model of how a female scientist should be. This recording was created for the project Being a Professional Mathematician, supported by the MSOR Network, the Institute of Mathematics and its Applications, and the Universities of Greenwich and Birmingham, as part of the National HE STEM programme. It is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike Licence.